there are numerous towns in our area, some large, some small, most of which weren't always the way they are now. We know these places as home. The Tri-State Appalachia region, the area where Georgia meets North Carolina and Tennessee. I can literally feel my blood pressure kind of decreasing from you know, the traffic, just the um, busyness in the Atlanta area and coming back home is kind of um, just a secure feeling, a sanctuary for me. You can feel a part of the community. You don't get lost. You feel like you can make a difference in those around you. Often, rural communities are thought of for their agricultural endeavors. But though it is part of the story here, agriculture is just a small facet of our tri-state Appalachia region. The rise or fall of those industries that helped to shape the area's economics and how their boom or decline affected its people, sometimes by surprise, is the crossroads story. Each path taken has had a cause and effect on the people of the region, some positively and some negatively. My name is Billy Wayne Chastain. I was raised in McCaysville, Georgia. Uh, I worked 42 years for the mining company. And uh, I started in the mines when I was 23 years old. Because the concept of crossroads is not just a physical meeting point between two pathways, it's evolution. It's the intersection of ideals, ways of living and thriving. Crossroads have occurred here multiple times over the past two centuries, and they are guaranteed to happen again. A uh, prospector by the name of Lemmings came into this area, into the basin area, in the area of Ducktown, Tennessee. And uh, I believe the creek he was painting was called Potato Creek. He, just, he had some shiny pieces of metal in the bottom of his pan, and he thought he'd discovered gold. But when he found out it wasn't gold, he was disappointed. It turned out to be iron pyrite. And uh, that was really a great economical find in the beginning of a great economical age for the Copper Basin area. My name is Sierra Mickens and I'm the Executive Director of Decktown Basin Museum. Lots of jobs. <laughs> there was definitely, uh, within the mining, that definitely supplied several years of jobs for everyone around um, because that's everyone would come to the basin to look for work. Once the ore was discovered, then uh, they began to come in here and do, do mining, and they came by the thousands, thousands of people that uh, eventually moved here to work. The smelting of copper resulted in a chemical byproduct that was also captured and sold, sulfuric acid. Once you started smelting, there was great smoke came out. Once you, uh, once you started burning the, uh, or roasting the iron ore, I mean, it's great fire and great smoke. They were going out cutting the trees, bringing it in, burning, and the smoke from the ore would kill the vegetation through the process of that smoke and other additives that created acid, sulfuric acid. But the result of this manufacturing process created an acid rain that left the area barren of trees and vegetation, like an alien landscape. The mines ran, the mines ran good. There was always plenty of ore. There is still plenty of ore. 65 cents a pound 
as long as it was that much, the company made money. Then the copper price, it went below that, so the company slowly uh, shut down. After more than 130 years of mining copper, in 1987, the last of the mines in the Copper Basin closed. Uh, shortly after the mines closed, uh, we had a, uh, almost what you'd say a catastrophic event happen in the cave on Copper Hill. It was a flood. Well, you could see that, that, that this was a crossroads for these, uh, that there was no longer a company. Uh, we'd had this uh, flood, so it was, it was a pretty bad time. There's still a lot of hurt from the company closing, I believe. It literally looks like they left work one day and decided to not come back because there's still some clothes hanging in the change house that we have there at Burrow. I, I went to work there when I was 23. And I'll tell you what, that, that was the best experience of my working. It's the only job I ever really had. I had several jobs, but uh, when I went there, it was, uh, you, you found a camaraderie in, in the people that worked there. When the mines did close, there was a lot of closures to all of the businesses. There was a dress shop, there was a furniture shop, there were several car dealerships at one point in time in Copper Hill. When everything closed, everything else closed with it. Around the same time the mining industry shut down, the textile industry did the same throughout the southeast and that too impacted the area. Agriculture has been a strong driving force in the region since the 19th century. Mercier Orchards, a prime example, is a family-run business since 1943. Uh, my name is Tim Mercier. I'm the second generation of Mercier Orchards. I'm Melissa Mercier Lillard, and I'm the third generation. The orchard was originally started in 1925 by Dr. Lloyd, who actually was the local pharmacist in Blue Ridge. And he started the orchard, and in 1943, my dad came here as the county agricultural agent. And he bought the orchard in 1943. It was about 25 or 30 acres of real old trees. Uh, then we started developing the orchard from that period on, uh, from the 40s and 50s and 60s, and up to what we're doing today. So we've been, our family, our family has been part of this for 77 years. We didn't have a big, uh, tourist based industry we didn't have a while we had a small roadside market it was a very small part of our business it probably was happening around the end of the 90s middle of the 90s we were at a crossroads and we had to make a decision as a family what we were going to do with our business how, how where did we want it to go what did we want to be for the future tourism started about that time and allowed us to change the way we produced our products, sold our products. Today, we sell maybe 90% of what we grow here on the farm, and we employ about 150 full-time employees. So what's the best-selling item at Mercier's? Fried pies. By far. You might think of us as an apple house, but believe it or not, 
our bakery products that we produce and sell are more dollar sales than our fruit that we grow. A busy day for us in October is like controlled chaos. We probably see, what do you think, how many thousands of people a day? On a busy Saturday, eight to 10,000 people. Easily, easily, easily selling over a million pies a year. That's a lot of fried pies. Even while big industries encroach on a local way of life, the culture of a small town and a family have managed to survive and even thrive. Being in a small community, it's good to be a family and have kids and raise them. Um, you can really get to know your neighbors and your community and make a difference. With the emergence of tourism, real estate in the region boomed. Mountain cabin rentals literally became a cottage industry, providing a place for tourists to stay, all happening in a surprisingly short period of time. I mean, remembering now 20 or 30 years ago, uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on up here, um, and they were looking for answers as to how to stimulate their economy. I'm Wiles Pierce. And I'm Dick Hillman, and we are the founders of the Blue Ridge Scenic Railway. Development of the Blue Ridge Scenic Railroad began in 1997 and quickly evolved a sleepy little town into a thriving small city full of life and culture. I was contacted by uh, a gentleman that was on the, they called it the Blue Ridge Mountain Preservation Society. So they said, is it possible that you could help us put together a scenic railroad? Our, our very first weekend passenger uh, trip uh, with paying customers was May 30th, 1998. That first year, the Blue Ridge Scenic Railroad projected it would need 25,000 passengers to survive. We exceeded 25,000 passengers in every year except the first, okay? The last nine years until we sold the railroad in like, uh, 2015, we exceeded 50,000. Rachel Gray, General Manager of Blue Ridge Scenic Railway. 89,000 passengers we had last year, right on the train 2019. That's a lot of people in downtown Blue Ridge. Um, our regular train ride, which is an hour from here, from Blue Ridge down to McCaysville, Georgia, Copper Hill, Tennessee. Within that two hour span, they're seeing our little town and getting all of the warm small town feelings and they're wanting to come back. That warm small town feeling has been one of the driving forces in the area's tourism success. The big industry is uh, tourism and the train uh, that comes from Blue Ridge to McCable is it's amazing. The top three destinations is uh, Mercier's, Blue Ridge Scenic Railway, and downtown Blue Ridge. So, but now when you go to town and the train's down there, it looks like the, the, the heyday when Copper Hill McCable was uh, big time. People are on every street, they're on every corner. But uh, we just we're just proud of having been involved. I mean, it's it's it was it was really it was a labor it, of it really was. We see the pride that the miners had, and we want to bring that pride back to our little town, and we're trying. We can say that the railroad certainly is a real economic generator here in, in uh, not just Blue Ridge, but Fannin County in North Georgia. Um, because uh, it, it brings a lot of people up here 
and it and it, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. Or so we all thought, which is how crossroads sometimes happen, when we all least expect it. In March 2020, just as the students of Fannin County High School were in production on this documentary, the coronavirus pandemic came upon us, and what we considered normal changed again. The schools closed, first for a few weeks, and then until the end of the school year. This new, unexpected Global Crossroads event quickly changed everyone's lives, adding uncertainty to the future. Businesses shuttered, and many area restaurants closed, and then reopened, all now practicing social distancing and health safety measures. People were furloughed, and some lost their jobs permanently. Our lives were put on pause. But here's the thing about Crossroads. You can always find solace by observing what's happened in the past. Because we have been here before. After all, history does tend to repeat itself sometimes. Life will return to normal, but it will be a new normal. As life slowly returns to what it was like before the global pandemic, tourism, that has become the driving force for the area, will return. It's those who recognize these reoccurring crossroads as an opportunity that tend to benefit from the new normal. When we reflect on our earlier crossroad events and analyze the change we are living in today, we become aware of what future crossroads might bring, allowing our community to shape its destiny.